by Radio Free George in the Washington College English Department. Not only is Radio Free Lit showcasing the writings of Washington College's best and brightest, but we hope to keep you connected with Washington College while we're away from campus. And remember, Radio Free Lit is always open for submissions. Thanks everyone for tuning into our first online literary reading, and I am super excited to hear everyone's work tonight, but first, some pageantry. In this first episode of Radio Free Lit, we are thankful to feature work from the most recent issues of The Collegian, Washington College's own literary magazine. You can find The Collegian on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at WC Collegian. Be sure to be on the lookout for Friday's new fall edition coming out online on The Collegian's brand spanking new website. And be sure to make sure you're sending in your submissions to the Collegian for their next fall issue. But that, that's enough promotion, you're right. Let's get down to what we came for. Six women tonight, six students who deserve ample praise for not only their creative work they put in behind this project, but for recording all of what you're about to hear entirely on their cell phones in the comfort of their own homes. It's impressive, it's an entertaining novelty, but also a telling symptom of the moment at hand, of the past four months that have been so weird for all of us. Uh, an unusual summer to say the least. I had the pleasure of collecting and listening to all of these readings over the course of this unusual summer. And, and I thought the themes really resonated with the zeitgeist of spring and summer 2020. For me, these readings reflected a lot of the anxious energy that has been harbored from these times of quarantine, harbored from a disconnection of social touch, of social interaction. A lot of these readings center around ruminations of family, maybe as a byproduct of being stuck at home so much. These readings look at the past couple of months or just life in general and try to distinguish change from loss and vice versa. It's been a difficult time, possibly trapped inside, everything becoming stale. So I, I found these readings to be helpful with unpacking these pent-up feelings, these quarantined emotions. So, without any further delay, here are your readers for tonight, in order of appearance. On the docket tonight, we're starting off with junior Isabel Anderson, followed by a slew of four seniors, Michelle Lee, Leah Duff, Lee Ann Beckley, Annalie Buscarino, and closing us out is junior Julia Clifton with two pieces. So, without further ado, here is Isabel Anderson. 
Reminder, separate your laundry. The touch of linen conjures imagery of ill-washed whites left streaked with blue, creases and their wrinkled illusions of gray, of the balled-up rounded softness masquerading as human, something mistaken for warmth, for a blood-threaded body, his veins careful needlework. It brings the feeling of an artificial heat, of waking up beside something shaped like love, of index fingers swiping sleep from the corners of eyes, of finding his outline a pile of sheets, of wondering how you did not wake, wondering how long he spent sculpting himself in your bed, how he got the length of his limbs just right, wondering how long you'd spent sleeping next to his cotton corpse. You gave your feet to the floor and decapitated the fabrication of your now former lover, pulling him from the corners. You wondered how much bleach it would take to get out the blue. That was Isabel Anderson with Reminder, Separate Your Laundry. Up next is Michelle Lee. Hungry. I'm fed from a tray left outside my door. The tray is ornate with metal handles like vines, and the plate on it is bright with photographed lemons and limes. The plate is covered in saran wrap, carefully, excessively. Each time I pick it up, it is with reverence, with gratitude. No matter what is on it, it is heavy. The meals come with more napkins than I can use, so I collect them now. The food is filling, balanced, made with love that can't be directly given. Before I set the empty tray outside, I wipe down the handles with bleach. From my desk, I can hear someone come and pick it up. It sounds so human. Sometimes, after a drop-off, I'll peek around the corner and see the disappearing image of my father, his back to me, mask and gloves on. Early on, I went downstairs to sit in the backyard. I saw my sister sit straight up and pull her shirt over her mouth. She watched me, wide white eyes peering from the couch. Surprise, doubt, fear, it doesn't matter what is said. She is in the living room, on the way to the backyard. I sit on the front porch instead. That's the last day I remember the sun shining. The air is cold, but the sun burns and overexposes everything, and the world is vibrant. The sky is so clear I can't look at it directly. The warmth is a mesh cover in the air, but I can't make myself move any farther from the shadow of the house. After that, I decide it is best to stay in my room all the time. News headlines make my head spin and my heart boil and steam. I am afraid of that heat spreading outward, of being on fire. Hours, days, minutes pass with failed attempts of normalcy, and I am sure I will become yellow wallpaper at some point. I leave videos playing while I watch the ceiling, voices that cascade and waver over my mind just to keep it occupied. Or if not occupied, not alone. I stopped tasting the food. It is the same thing, just in different forms. I blink and a day goes by. I lay in bed and night passes without shut eyes, and all I am left is worn, worn bones. Atrophy of the mind or the body. My mom asks, over text, what are you hungry for today? 
I think of holding hands, hugging my grandmother and resting my head on top of hers, sitting at the kitchen table. I think about grabbing onto people because I could and because I wanted to hold them. Two weeks ago, I was in a different time zone, unaware that every step I took was a step towards canceled classes, travel bans, frantic crowded airports. I remember the days leading up to the end, like walking towards a cliff edge with your eyes closed. You don't know that it's ending until there's no next step and you're already falling. But there is no end. There's only the next day. I try to listen for the sound of walking over a river that rushes beneath my souls. I imagine the grass and the wind's song through city buildings and how my shoes sound against the sidewalk, scraping and lazy. I think about lecture halls and thin winding dirt roads that generations have traveled time and time again. I think about laughter, how it isn't the same unless you're in the room where it echoes, where it bounces and solidifies your lungs. It's not the same if you get it from a crack in the window. I think about warmth under skin and how people used to move without fear. I think about breathing without fear. I think of breathing fresh air, not whatever's rotting in my chest. I am so hungry. There is no food that can fill my stomach, my heart, the nerves on my skin that want to remember the muffled reverberation of a crowded room. Boredom and fear eat away at me, hungrier and hungrier as each headline pops up on my phone, so I must eat to feed it. Will I ever be full? I miss the sun. I miss it like it's coming tomorrow. I miss it like it's never coming out again. My mom asks, what do you want? I think I'd rather starve. That is senior Michelle Lee with her piece, Hungry. Up next is another senior. Here's Leah Duff. The Garden Graveyard. Do you remember being small when trees were gods? I ruled a land of grass and ants and walked in moss to keep bare feet from honeybees. The sunlight mocked the tiny butterflies in mom's front garden. Fragile fallen petals, heat and light and bugs enclosed in stones, while around the side hid the house's darker grove. A bush which smelled of something sweet, but whose name escaped me, kept watch in shade for half the day. It crouched over bones of family pets and mulch as black and rich as dad's day-old coffee grounds. The grass growing in its lap was soft and fresh and green as ever I'd known. A wonder, a terror, a silence. I didn't play there. I watched it instead, listened for humming insect voices that weren't there or wouldn't speak to me. My fingers tangled in tender blades I dared not walk through. I liked to pull them, but never hard enough to tear, like a priceless fur. That bush's shadow, it was a place of small gods, old gods, dead gods, the trees in our yard we'd had to cut down, the pets I barely remembered. I loved that grass, and guarded its secrets with a jealousy my child self had hardly felt before. That bush tree, Sweet and unnamed keeps that jealousy. My old and precious fascination buried. 
That was The Garden Graveyard by senior Leah Duff. And following her is yet another senior. Here is Leanne Beckley. For my stalker, after Maria Hummel. Hey admirer, in the parking lot, we cross each other, but you don't have the license. Sound off, your calls still echo. My instincts, my actions, the connection blocked. Hey admirer, hey follower. I'm doing better, she says. Why won't you talk to me, she cries. Hey admirer, hey follower, hey intruder. You pace down the sidewalk. I go to my car, hands, keys, jingle in fear. Hey admirer, hey follower, hey intruder, hey predator. I confront you in my dreams, but am too tired to speak. Please wake up. Sound off, your calls still echo. Thank you, Leanne. That was For My Stalker. And up next, it is senior Annalie Buscarino with Bookends. Bookends. And something else is no longer here. Not the stray cat under the porch. She isn't here. Not the faded shutters that kept sunlight out of the living room. They aren't here either. But something else, something else is missing. Yes, that's it. The bookends. The black and ivory ones that mom would always slide across the shelves to seal her collection into neat, precious rows. I can see through the window that they aren't there, see the way that the books that now line the shelves lean on each other lazily. Dad sold them at a garage sale right before we left, and Mom didn't even have time to mourn them before the three of us packed everything into the van and were gone. She hasn't mentioned them since. But something else is no longer here. Something else is missing from our old house the way something is missing from our new house. I came here to look for it. But the leaves are here. It's as if the new family doesn't care about them, about the way they spill over the hedges and settle smugly over the front yard. The family doesn't seem like the caring type, Dad had said. And now the leaves preside over the house like it is they who own it, indulging in their victory as they suffocate the grass. Dad and I used to rake them every weekend. He worried about what the neighbors would think otherwise. We rake them into piles, competing to see who can make the biggest one. And when Dad would win, he would watch as I jumped into his pile, staring at my 12-year-old scrawniness disappearing under the foliage. The touch of the leaves made me cringe, and when I would sink to the bottom, the darkness would press me with the echoes of their dead, hollow scratches. But when I would eventually fight my way up to breathe and see Dad smiling like a maniac, I knew it was worth it. Mom always made hot chocolate for us when we finally went inside. She would hand us our mugs in the shade of our living room and ask who won our contest, even though she knew the answer, and smile with only her mouth as I told her about jumping into Dad's leaf pile. 
One time, she asked me if it made me sad when I didn't win, and I said no. I just like jumping into the leaves. She readjusted her bookends and left the room. We could never rake up all the leaves, though. Every weekend, a few remained tangled in the grass. Dad would scrape at them until they broke into pieces too small to be anything but fragments. And he would turn away with that wild look in his eyes that he got when he yelled at Mom. And I would try and rake up all the pieces so that he wouldn't be angry anymore, but I never could. Every weekend we raked and raked, and I would follow Dad around cleaning up the mess, and all he would say when Mom handed us our hot chocolate was that we didn't do a good job. When we moved houses a year later, we traded trees for fences so thick that the neighbors could no longer see us. But even without the threat of leaves entering our yard, the wild look Dad would get when he tore up the grass remains on his face as if we never stopped raking. Except there are no more leaves to rake, and instead of jumping into piles, I repaint the fences and Mom no longer makes hot chocolate because her hands only grasp each other after Dad sold the bookends and it's as if he knows the leaves are winning. He would be furious if he saw them now. The grass is as invisible as I was when I would sink into Dad's piles, when I would lose his eyes behind the deadness of foliage. The leaves insulted him with their enormity, suffocating the yard until it could no longer breathe. They would scatter when I jumped into them, and Dad's maniacal smile would grow as he watched me crawl across the grass to pick them up again. His smile would be gone by the time we went in for hot chocolate. Mom's smile was only on her lips. And something else is no longer here. The leaves are here, but something else is missing. Missing like hot chocolate, like grass, like bookends. Something else is missing from this house that is suffocating. Something is absent. Maybe it was never here. And something else. Something. That was Annalie Buscarino with her piece, Bookends. And to round out this inaugural episode of Radio Freelit, we have two final readings from Junior Julia Clifton. Thank you for everyone who's tuned in so far, and we really appreciate the support you're giving to our wonderful writers here at Washington College. So without further ado, here is Julia Clifton. Never. The room glows golden pink. She sits on the bed opposite mine and shines in the light coming through the window behind me. This would be perfect, but my hands are clenched in fists and my nails are digging into my palms, leaving behind angry pink crescents. There's nothing wrong with this, she says gently, and I want to laugh or cry to tell her the truth. But instead, I stumble through broken apologies and half-truths. I'm sorry, and maybe soon, until she's convinced that everything's fine, that I'm fine. The second she's gone, regret claws its way up my throat, until I'm sure I'll vomit. The frustration builds until I'm sobbing drunk on the ground a year after I ruined things because I saw a glimpse of her, shining, her head thrown back laughing at something I'll never know, around the corner in a crowded party. 
and the cold seeps into my back as I stare at the dark, empty sky. And my heart aches at the thought of all the could-have-beens and never worries, knowing that this is all I'll ever have. Memories of what never happened and what never will. That was On Never by Julia Clifton. And to round out the night with maybe a more optimistic or appreciative tone, here is Country Roads, uh, a piece that recalls simple times with friends out on a road, stuck in nowhere in the middle of Kent County. I know not everyone's going to be there this fall, but I hope we can find some normalcy, some silver linings in this semester as everyone goes forth. So to close out the night, here's Country Roads by Julia Clifton. And of course, one last thank you to our listeners who have stuck with us this far. We appreciate your support. And here's Julia Clifton. Country Roads. The week always starts with the slow constriction of the coils in my chest that build as the days pass until I think I'll snap, barely breathing as I balance on the verge of shattering completely. But then, suddenly, it's Friday afternoon, the four of us in the warmth of Jill's car as we barrel down old country roads, new to us, and the tightness in my chest finally lets up. Time doesn't dare pass in our little bubble as we sing everything from 80s songs interspersed with Taylor Swift the soundtrack of fucking eight mile but it never matters what's playing it all sounds right to me we talk about our dreams and lost loves as blurry farms speed by pish worries about the trees blooming too early for the spring that feels so far away and unknowingly reminds us all why we love her so much we go nowhere and everywhere at the same time winding up at creepy schools that stand alone on the horizon and abandoned homes that time forgot. Their broken windows and sagging rafters never giving a hint that they were once loved. We pass Farewell Road. Amber adds a song to the never-ending queue, taking her role as the world's most trusted DJ and loving every minute of it. As Jill tells us the story behind every Fleetwood Mac song ever written, and we all listen with bated breath, holding on to every word and this moment feels like it could last forever if we could just let it. Thank you, Julia, for that reading. And that is a wrap on the inaugural episode of Radio Free Lit, a Radio Free George and Washington College English Department production. And if you want to be on Radio Free Lit, please feel free to send a submission of your work to radiofreegeorge at washcall.edu with the header Radio Free Lit Submission. And a special, special thanks to Dr. James Hall and Justin Nash for helping getting this off the ground. It's been a piecemeal work uh, throughout the summer to get this up, but we're hoping to become a consistent part of the Washington College diet coming real soon. So with all that through, I'd once again love to plug The Collegian, Washington College's own literary magazine. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 
WC Collegian. They have a new issue out coming this Friday. Make sure you guys go get your eyes on that because there's plenty of wonderful student work just like what you heard here on Radio Free Lit. So with all that said, have a wonderful week. Good luck with the start of school. And just a reminder, this is Evan Gaines with Radio Free Lit. Stay golden, y'all.